Foundation, working with donors and other partners to improve the quality of life for all Maine people on the web at maincf.org. The time is 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities, to share what works, and to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns began in 1993 with support from University of Maine Cooperative Extension. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine, and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening, a dialogue we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, this week, the legislature, the 128th legislature, was back in Augusta trying to wrap up its work. Um, It doesn't look like we have um, completed that task. Um, But this morning, we're going to talk with three area legislators to review the the work of the 128th and and look ahead a little bit. We're so happy to have Representative Brian Hubble, a Democrat from Bar Harbor, here in the studio. And um, he's joined by Representative Ralph Chapman of Brooksville. Um, Ralph is with the Green Independent Party. And on the line with us uh, by phone, we have Senator Brian Langley, a Republican of Ellsworth. Welcome to you all. Glad you could be with us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, Glad to be here. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for joining us by phone. Why don't we start with you just uh, to get a little bit of background. Um, You must be looking forward um, in some ways to returning to the life of a small business person um, after serving in the legislature for um, these years. What what got you started, uh, Senator Langley? Well, I think I got tired of yelling at my TV set. And uh, my wife said, well, if you think you're so smart, why don't you go try doing it? So... uh, then, uh, you know, that's kind of how it happened. I was uh, finishing up uh, nearly three decades of teaching uh, at Hancock County Technical Center, and uh, an opportunity came um, to run for the House. And um, so I said, sure, why not? I'll give it a try. And then uh, the next session, um, there was an open seat for the Senate seat and uh, couldn't find anybody who wanted to do that. So, uh, I, you know, I ran for that and moved over from the House. So, uh, then it's been four terms um, in the in the Senate, so it, uh, it's been uh, been an honor and a privilege to serve. Uh, Representative Chapman, t- tell us a little bit about your motivation to get involved in the in the uh, the politics of of Maine. Well, my primary interest in getting into politics uh, comes from my interest in bringing something of um, my talents and experience in science hmm. to impact the public policy making process. I had been involved even back in the 1970s uh, with uh, efforts to bring science into the state legislative processes. At that time, I lived in Massachusetts and was part of a, a consortium of technical professional societies that helped establish what was, then was called the Science Resource Office in the Massachusetts legislature. I had decided it was time to do the same in Maine when the seat uh, in my district uh, for a state representative opened up and uh, someone suggested that I might 
run for it. My initial reaction was, uh, no, not me. But uh, upon reflection, I thought maybe this was an avenue that I could bring the workings of science uh, to the legislative process. Hmm. And um, tell us a little bit about your switch um, from uh, an enrolled Democrat um, sure. to the Green Independent Party. So I, I, I've stood for election as a Democrat in, in each of the last uh, four terms. Um, but uh, th- about a year ago, a little over a year ago, um, uh, the situation in the State House Democratic Caucus got to an intolerable level. Uh, I was quite literally bullied out of the caucus and, uh, and became an independent uh, – that, that is, became an unenrolled mm. uh, legislator for several months. Uh, then uh, that was in May of last year. And then in September, I decided to join the Maine's Green Independent Party, which is one of uh, four parties that are recognized in Maine at this time. Mm. Uh, I'm the only voting member of the legislature that's a party member and not a member of either of the two major parties. Um, how about uh, you, uh, Representative uh, uh, Brian Hubble? What got you involved in, in politics and, and this the legislative role? I, I think in many ways I took a sort of traditional path through elective office. I started out as a parent, was interested in our local schools, got first elected uh, oh, 16 years ago to our local school board in Bar Harbor, uh, then education, local education policy took me occasionally to the state house in Augusta, uh, got, uh, uh, the bug, I suppose, at that point, uh, had some success as an advocate for education, along with Representative Chapman. I think if you remember that during the, uh, the consolidation wars, Ralph and I were allies at that point, uh, and, uh, then had, had an opportunity to, to, uh, uh, run to represent Bar Harbor, Mount Desert, and at that point, Southwest Harbor and Granbury. Uh, and I've never regretted it. It's still a great privilege and pleasure to mm-hmm. serve. Mm-hmm. So it's still a great state, despite what what you may hear in the in the well, news about the contentious atmosphere in Augusta. And and maybe that's the the next piece of our conversation. Um, how does the legislature work? If if it's working well, how does it work? And and talk a little bit about the the notion of a, a joint standing committee. Uh, Representative Hubble I, first, and then yeah, others. I, I I would say that when we are functioning as as we should and at our best, the best work still happens in the in the committees. Uh, as as listeners may well know it uh we have joint standing committees which means that there is representation from both parties and both bodies senate uh senate and house that serve on these committees and we're that's where the real hard work of policy gets thrashed out and while there's many sort of set pieces that look like the usual partisan expectations one way or another there's many instances where if you were to arrive in a committee room you would see People just honestly trying to figure out what the best policy is and might not even be able to identify which party they were at that particular moment in the discussion. That's the space, I think, that builds good relationships in the legislature and – as I say, when we have a success, I believe that's where it occurs. And your focus has primarily been on education? I served for two terms on the Education Committee, and then this past session uh, I moved over to appropriations. My committee members on appropriations still count on my sort of knowledge and background in educational policy, but it's a broader mm. scope of work, of course. Senator Langley, uh, with us by phone, what's, what has been your focus in terms of your committee work? 
Well, I've been on the uh, Education Committee in the Senate for four terms. Um, I've chaired the committee for for three of those four terms. Um, you know, my passion has been uh, career and tech education. I spent uh, nearly 30 years uh, doing that. And, uh, you know, and uh, the other side of that, I spent, you know, 32 years as a business owner uh, here as well. So I've got one foot squarely in the public sector and one foot squarely in the private sector. And, and my goal has been to um, work where those two intersect and try to make those uh, relationships better because we need all hands on deck if we're going to, you know, get our economy to move forward and to do the best by our, our, our students so they can stay here, live here, be productive. So that's that's been uh, the goal, really, for, for doing that. Um, in the, uh, as, uh, as Brian has just said, uh, the best work is uh, done in, in the committees when we, uh, we get um, issues in front of us that we're, we're trying to solve. I think, uh, at least from where I sit and stand, um, on my committee, uh, certainly the education committee, um, the, the, the goals are all the same uh, from, from both sides of the aisle. How you get there is where we might differ on, on opinion. So, um, but, um, it, you know, it's a tremendous amount of a, a workload. There's uh, often 140 or 150 bills that come through um, all regarding uh, education. It's a passionate subject for a lot of people. <laughs> sure is. Um, Representative Chapman, what's been your committee focus? So the committee assignments are made by either the Speaker of the House or the President of the Senate, depending upon which which party the member is in. And those decisions are, are their prerogative entirely. Uh, I've never got a committee assignment I asked for, and the reason for that is because I was never loyal to the uh, party leadership, meaning that I chose not to uh, be told how to vote and vote the way I was told to vote. And, and for that reason, my committee assignments have always been places where the leadership thought I could do the least damage. <laughs> uh, for me, that worked out fine. Uh, I was on marine resources for two terms and on agriculture, conservation, and forestry for two terms. Uh, what I had to learn to do very quickly is how to work in other committees. Um, so I, I did do some work in education. I did do a, quite a lot of work in the environment and natural resources area. Area. Um, those are things that uh, the issues drove me into different areas than the committees only that I sat on. Mm. But that's the notion that science ought to be part of, of how we make decisions was driving some of your, your work. Absolutely. Right. And and that uh, has had what I'll call a partial success, which is, of course, a euphemism for failure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, this notion that um, the, the legislatures have two different roles. One is to, is to work on policy issues, and the other is to respond to constituent needs. And sometimes bills come because a constituent says, I would like you to to advocate for this particular uh, situation. What's the balance been in each of your situations in terms of constituent work, uh, both serving constituents and, and, and the kind of the policy things that often does come through party kind of thing? Uh, start with you, Representative Chapman. Sure. Uh, uh, constituents occasionally have uh, specific ideas and some, uh, uh, which the people I will call activists, learn how the process works and are able to inform themselves of of how to get their ideas uh, put into practice. We ha I, I'm very fortunate to represent a district of uh, Blue Hill, uh, Brooklyn, Brooksville, Casting, Cedric, and Surrey, and prior to redistricting uh, the town of Penobscot, that have activists who 
understanding that process have been able to do things um, and get get a lot accomplished. Uh, I've been able to provide some help to them in understanding the process in the legislature, but the real work is coming from a group of citizens. Uh, I, I let everybody know that whatever power I have is dwarfed by, as a as a representative is dwarfed by the power that a half dozen or so <laughs> citizens have if they. Uh, put their minds to it and um, and gather together to, to to make some policy changes in the mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. I'll come back maybe to some examples, uh, but Representative Hubble, um, what's been, how have you approached this this uh, kind of dual function? Yes, yeah, certainly there's a balance that that takes. I mean, those are both the two primary functions that we have as legislators. I, I've always understood that uh, my constituents elect me to to behave in good conscience uh, and to make decisions on on their behalf with the understanding of what it is, generally what the sentiment is in my district. So it's really important, I think, first of all, to have good communication uh, with constituents and to maintain that confidence uh, that our constituents extend when they, when they elect us to mm-hmm. office. W- with that said, I don't find that constituents are making a lot of specific demands on my time in terms of advancing legislation, though they are always there and regularly willing to get in touch with me about issues that are before us that way. And I count on that very much because I think that's what gives us our strength and confidence. Uh, but I, I, most of the day-to-day work that I've been involved in in my six years in the legislature has been on just advancing policy and partnership with other legislators and other stakeholders, not so much advancing a particular piece of legislation than a single constituent is. Mm-hmm. And, and in your your situation, your your experience, the role of the party, ha, the Democratic Party in your case, has been um, one of the ways that in that policy gets shaped. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sensitive to, to my, my colleague Representative Chapman's perspective on partisanship. I, I do want to say that it is, I have never felt particularly coerced uh, by my party leadership, uh, it's a fine balance. Obviously, when there's narrow margins, we we currently have it's, it's as close to divided as it could be in uh, in in the House. Well, in, in both bodies, uh, there there is a real incentive to be able to keep consensus. <laughs> within whatever group of allies you can form mm-hmm. uh, to move anything that's important. Uh, but uh, I, we are told specifically, and I actually it's been my experience, that we are, uh, that our priorities as individual legislators be true to our conscience first and be true to our constituents uh, second and only third to uh, to think about what advances the party's position one way or another. Obviously, it's very imperfect in experience, and I won't, I won't quibble with Representative sure. Chapman about the hardships that sometimes that engenders. Uh, but I do, I do want to be, be clear that at least in my own experience, I haven't felt coerced by my, by uh-huh. my party. Let's go to Senator Langley and see what his experience is in terms of, of, of his, his work and, and the balance between uh, the party leadership and constituent kind of um, uh, incentives. Uh, I think I was um, uh, very blessed with my prior experience in the world. And, and, and uh, when I give speeches to kids, you know, about connecting the dots, you know, uh, you never know um, when you look back what things really prepared you for your future jobs. And, you know, teaching at a technical high school with six area high schools and community sending kids 
uh, over 30 years it's enabled me to really learn my communities and learn them well. And you can learn them well really through their children. So um, each of my towns of the 27 all have are unique and have differences and a lot of similarities. So it's been a, a real pleasure to, um, to represent them. And so, you know, for constituent work, um, over the years, what I've learned is um, I've learned how to say no um, to really dumb bills that people want you to put in. <laughs> sure. You know, somebody somebody uh, wanted to pass a law that the state police couldn't sit beside the road with their lights off because uh, somebody got picked up for speeding and uh, didn't see the car. Uh, that was one I said, that, no, I don't think we're doing that one. Um, and so, um, you, know, you know, having common sense um, and a lot of my constituents, have said to me, you know, um, we sent you there. We trust you. We know you, and we know you're going to do the homework, and and and, and do the best uh, for us. That that's probably the the hardest thing to live up to is when somebody comes and tells you that. If somebody's screaming at you because they don't like the way you voted, well, you know, sometimes it's pretty easy to you know, sort of discount them when uh, they get right up in your face. But when somebody comes up and tells you they trust you to do the right thing, that's uh, that bears a lot of weight and a lot of responsibility, uh, which uh, I was taking. Um, within uh, just a couple of months of being elected, I asked and invited all of the senators who had had this job to come and have dinner with me at the restaurant. Um, so I had uh, former Senator Tom Perkins from Blue Hill, who was a Republican, Ruth Foster from Ellsworth, who was a Republican, Jill Goldthwait, an independent, and Dennis Damon, a Democrat. And we spent about three hours here one night. And the question was uh, for me um, that I asked them when they came was, you know, how do I do this job? How do I do it well? And what would you give me for, you know, recommendations? And every one of them in a different way said, you know, you have to be able to sleep at night. You have to vote your conscience. Uh, so I've taken that um, to heart. And at times it's... Uh, put me at odds with, um, you know, sometimes my own party or, you know, other other folks. But every night when I've gone home, I've been able to uh, sleep with, uh, you know, with a free conscience on that. Now, have I made mistakes and voted for things that didn't pan out? Absolutely. You know, you sometimes are, are you're given a scenario that's almost no win and you try to plot the best course. Sometimes those work out. Sometimes they don't. Um, so, uh, you know, I have a you know, these folks that have done this job before me that I can call regularly and, and bounce ideas off. Jill Goldthwait, in, in particular, has been very helpful. Uh, so hasn't uh, Dennis Damon. And Ruth Foster's right up the street. I can go sit in the back of her store, and she's got institutional knowledge that goes way back. So to say that any one of us kind of do this job alone is uh, not true at all. We count on lots of other people to help. I always uh, call back into my district if we're doing um, – you know, something with the jails, I call Sheriff Kane. If it's something about, you know, uh, new drug laws or something like that, I call, you know, my pharmacist, uh, you know, that I deal with. And, and so we all have these, uh, you know, personal resources that we've developed over the years of just living in our communities who people who are closest to the subject matter. So I've relied heavily on people back home to help me, um, you know, make informed decisions um, uh, at the policy level. So. Uh, so constituents play a very important part that way. Most of the work I do with constituents has to do with their relationship with the government. If they're having a problem, you know, I deal with education and, and you know, somebody uh, wants to have their child go to another school and is having some trouble or, um, 
Um, somebody's, you know, had some trouble with another state department, you know, getting a title or a deed. So we get asked all kinds of questions from constituents who, you know, uh, use us maybe as a last resort to try to, to get some help done. So, Great. Um, but as far as moving policies, you know, forward, uh, not, not a whole lot. So the, the other piece that we haven't talked about um, uh, is is the role of the governor in all of this. You know, as we talk about um, the legislative process, I'll just remind listeners they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We're looking back at the 2018 legislative session with Representative Brian Hubble, Senator Brian Langley, and Representative Ralph Chapman. Um, those of you here, uh, how does the how does the governor fit? I remember Jill Goldthwaite saying um, the governor proposes and the legislator disposes. What's the relationship between the governor and, and the initiatives that the governor might put forward and the legislature? Brian Hubble? Yeah, I, um, of course, my entire legislative service has been only under this governor. Uh, but I, uh, I, I do re- have a recollection of how things worked previously to this. And I think there's a general concern that I, – I mean I, I think the, the, the lack of partnership is clear and I think, I think we're feeling the effects of that all across the state. Uh, I, uh, there are things that we have managed to accomplish and there are actually initiatives that I've worked on that have had the support and, and, and uh, were developed with the assistance of the governor's office. But by far what happens is and – I, and I believe that this is the governor's own perspective – is that it's sort of – he sees it as a contest of wills. Uh, and I think that's really unfortunate. Uh, because as uh, as Senator Langley has mentioned, I think there's really a common interest when you get people uh, sitting frankly and talking in a room about what what the issues are that the state state face, and there may be some dispute about what the best mechanism to resolve those are. I, I I regret that we don't have better communication with the governor's office. I think that there have been a lot of missed opportunities as a result. On on the other hand, I, and I'll be interested in Senator Langley's perspective on this as well, I think that in many ways it's drawn the legislature closer together. Uh, certainly, I, th- I think there's been an interest in, in more productive policy between uh, the Senate and the House uh, out of necessity uh, because otherwise things won't get done. Right, uh, and, the, and the voters – are holding you responsible, um, and so the the change really has to happen by by getting together where it can. And of course, we've seen the effect of of lack of action and an increasing number of citizens' initiatives and 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 everything that results from that as well. Brief response um, from you, uh, Senator Langley, and then we'll go to Representative Chapman in terms of the role of the governor, uh, the present governor, and and and, and perhaps um, looking ahead, um, how how it might work. Yeah. You know, it's been an interesting uh, relationship. Uh, a, a lot of times, uh, I would say, that, uh, our governor reminds me of some uh, European chefs that I've worked for in, in my youth, you know, uh, pound the table and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, kind of blow up. And, uh, you know, I've, I've worked for several European chefs kind of like that. But, it, you know, there's no questioning the passion uh, that he brings uh, to the job, uh, but it's really about, how do you be? How are you able to be effective in whatever environment that you're in? And so, 
uh, I think a strong business background where you're used to being the leader and, you know, uh, your decisions are kind of the final ones. Uh, sometimes I think it's difficult when you're, you have to negotiate where equal branches of the, of the legislative system, equal branches of government, and, and that puts in a, in a different perspective of where uh, you have to you have to negotiate. So uh, I'm not so sure that uh, Brian Hubble has said that maybe there's some missed opportunities. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, half a loaf is better than no loaf. Uh, so you you end up in some in some places of, of you know uh, it's a battle of wills. I think uh, uh, Representative Hubble said it. Uh, uh, you know the you know nicely. I would say so. It's. Uh, uh, but you have to, uh, you have to, uh, you know, you have to work within the system and work within the, the landscape that you're in. And uh, we have, I would say, certainly speaking from the Senate uh, perspective, uh, we've worked together very well. I would say I've been very, very proud of my colleagues uh, in the Senate. You know, we, you makes what it makes you do is it makes you look and say to yourself, okay, what is what is really you know my job, and um, and some of that means going back and you know for us in the Senate, it's a smaller, more deliberative body. Purposefully, the forefathers gave us final enactment and the final say, so we take our job seriously. And every morning we say, okay, you know, is this going to be is this going to be good for the people of Maine? And then you you base all of your your work um, on, on that, and not and not the other stuff. You know who who submitted the bill or. You know, or, or even who vetoed the bill, that kind of thing. So Thanks. it's a good policy. Thanks. Representative Chapman, any perspective on, on serving um, w- with this governor? Sure. The uh, Constitution of the state gives the governor a, a number of powers. One of those powers is he can put a bill in at any time. Um, uh, the other, Another power is that he can veto any legislation uh, that gets to his desk, um, which – in order to become law, then requires a two-thirds vote by both the House and the Senate to uh, override that veto. And uh, those powers are powers that uh, that he has used. Um, uh, from a personal perspective, uh, I find uh, the governor to be very personable and easy to uh, get along with. From a policy perspective, uh, of course, I have major differences at, at many junctures. Um, and and uh, from a matter of style, uh, one way that I've heard it explained is that uh, in order to get into office, we campaign. We try to explain why we're the best person for being elected to a position, and sometimes that means that we um, uh, don't want to put our opponents in a, in a good light. Um, whereas once you're in office and you're governing, if you switch from campaign mode to governing mode, then it turns out that the the way to do that is to put your opponents in a good light. And uh, I'm not sure that uh, all of my legislative colleagues uh, nor uh, the a governor have necessarily made that switch from the campaign <laughs> mode to the governing mode. Right. Well, let's talk about some of the things that you did and didn't uh, get accomplished in this um, session. Um, each of you, uh, what were the things that uh, um, you were glad um, you were there and you were um, you were satisfied and, and you felt good about um, accomplishing? Uh, Representative uh, Ch- Chapman first, are there things that you felt particularly good about this, this session? Well, I, I would point to one particular success in the uh, food sovereignty movement. Now, I don't take credit for its success. I tried to help where I could and be a, 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 an advocate for it as well. But 
the um, activists in, in my district that uh, started the food sovereignty movement in the, in my district uh, have made steady progress. They asked me early on, is it better for us to focus our attention on getting individual towns to pass local ordinances, or is it better for us to work at the state level and pass legislation? And my answer is both. Hmm. Work on both, um, but certainly do not uh, forget working the individual towns. And it's been a long, uh, a long road, but um, uh, town after town uh, enacted local ordinances uh, establishing the right of local farmers to sell directly to consumers without some of the burdensome regulations that were designed for large uh, agribusinesses. And... Uh, uh, that's now uh, recognized at the state level through legislation that we were able to pass um, uh, finally and have the governor sign uh, during this uh, uh, past session. Mm. Representative Hubble, um, some some of the successes you feel um, the, of this at last session? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, often our accomplishments are sort of eclipsed by the smoke and noise that uh, that results from the hard process of getting there, but uh, we talk about the special session being incomplete and being uh, a lot of unresolved issues right now, but we just uh, passed an overrode veto on a significant supplemental budget, uh, another, I think, uh, $60 or $70 million in, in support of direct care workers and jail funding, opiate addiction, uh, funding for the wait list uh, for Medicaid services, and uh, Early education for children with disabilities. Uh, I th- that's that's the really hard work of negotiation, and the fact that that's, that happened without causing government shutdown or something at that point, I think is uh, testimony to good faith negotiations uh, throughout the legislature. Uh, we also have done. I think we've reached a reasonable bond package. Uh, we have uh, $30 million for wastewater going out to the voters, uh, $64 million bond for higher education, university uh, system and community colleges, and $106 million highway bond. Uh, again, that's not, there's nothing glamorous about that, but that, that's sig- the significant sort of basic function of, of state government, and, and we've made good progress with that. Last, I just want to mention I'm really proud of the work that we did on the biennial budget a year ago, even though we had to go through a state shutdown to get there. Again, particularly with Senator Langley, uh, this couldn't have happened, I think, without the uh, uh, partnership on education funding that uh, he and I developed. Uh, we uh, added another $160 million for school funding and uh, through the budget process enacted a number of, of I, I think, really good education reforms. Mm. Uh, and I'm particularly proud of that whole budget, but also the, uh, in, in, in particular that uh, the education piece. Mm. Senator Langley, what uh, would you count as the successes of this uh, past legislative uh, session? Not yet ended, but um, what's been successful so far? Um. Well, we did a lot of work um, last year. I ran two task forces over last summer, one on workforce and one on uh, special education uh, cost drivers. And uh, the the results of, of those, um, you know, are, are still, I'm not sure, all the way through uh, the process yet. But, um, you know, for example, 
Um, we focused in on, on health care work issues, um, and uh, we have 3,200 nurses retiring. And then, you know, we were able to dig down and find the bottlenecks, for example, not enough nursing instructors in order to be able to fully um, start new programs. So we did some work there. Um, education, um, working on CTE funding, career tech education funding, it had been um, a model that was expense-driven, and uh, we've been working for about eight years to get it to be a formula, so it's based on student counts, um, much like the uh, EPS funding formula, so that it took a lot of work, a lot of adjustments, uh, it's kind of an eight-year process. Um, I, too, uh, you know, uh, we did a lot of work last year in education on the biennial budget. Um, there were 65 items in that budget that uh, President Hubble and I worked on. Um, we have a great working relationship with President Chapman. We work on a on a on has been a pet project for eight years, a uh, bridge year bridge uh, program where kids in uh, technical high schools are getting college credits uh, up to their freshman year while they're in while they're in school. So. Um, he and I worked closely on that, so I would say that the, the three of us that you picked to, to join here today have uh, tremendous cross-the-aisle working relationships um, uh, to the point sometimes other people get mad at us so, um, <laughs> for, for, you know, being working together so well. Uh, but I've, I've been very, very proud to serve with these, these two gentlemen and, uh, and say that, you know, this is the way that it should run. Um, we probably cancel each other's votes out on a regular basis when it comes to maybe some major policy issues but you know when it comes to um, education and the focus on doing the best by our kids we're you know steadfast on the same page no that's great i'm going to just remind listeners that they're tuned to talk of the towns this morning we're looking back at the 2018 legislative session so far and our our guest um, by phone uh, senator brian langley of ellsworth uh, in the studio with us are Representative Brian Hubble of Bar Harbor and Representative Ralph Chapman of, of Brooksville. Um, I'm going to um, ask you about the things that you were disappointed about, um, and then I'll open up the phone lines and we'll hear from listeners. What, what were they happy with and perhaps what were they disappointed with? Uh, start with you, uh, Representative Chapman. What, what uh, were the major disappointments for you in this particular session? As I mentioned earlier, Ron, uh, my interest in being in the legislature was to bring uh, science into mm. the process as much as possible. And uh, I did not know that the major issue that I would deal with, a technological complex issue uh, of metal mining, would come up in the legislative uh, terms in which I've been serving. Um, but I represent the only district in Maine that has had any commercial metal mines in the past century. And metal mining uh, is a complex uh, topic area uh, with uh, threats to the environment being uh, uh, a foremost concern. And I struggled, uh, struggled to bring uh, scientific expertise to the have a, an influence on the policy making. Uh, unfortunately, that was a failure. Uh, um, I, I did learn that uh, f- many of my legislative colleagues do not know what a scientific expert is. So we had arguments in public about um, who would be a scientific expert. And uh, some of the legislators that I worked with uh, identified people as experts who were not. And mm. 
Uh, and the other problem was another legislator then said, well, he was happy that we didn't have scientific experts in front of the committee because uh, that would have been just simply more confusing for him. Uh, consequently, uh, what we ended up passing as legislation and is now current law is a metal mining law that allows groundwater contamination of uh, heavy metals, and uh, toxic heavy metals. And um, the people who uh, put that law forward, the environmental community that supported the groundwater contamination, supported it because they thought they could limit the groundwater contamination, not understanding that the laws of physics mean has groundwater moving according to hydraulic pressure and permeability structure of the ground has nothing to do with legislated laws. So the law in place says you can contaminate the groundwater, but after it moves more than 100 feet, then you can't move any further. And this is of course, uh, a, a disaster. We now have a foreign mining exploration company digging a few miles east of the new uh, Katahdin Woods and Waters National Monument. And uh, I would say that is, I, 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 on the one hand, I I've fairly single-handedly uh, kept the mining industry out of Maine for about five and a half years, but I eventually lost. Mm. Uh, that is that battle. because the people just feel as though it's jobs or the environment instead of jobs and the environment is is people just don't understand we could have both i i think that it goes beyond that uh -huh. uh, that was certainly one of the arguments but uh the more serious question is how do you protect the environment from an industrial operation like metal mining which is the most polluting industry in the world and and especially with sulfide mines which is what we have in maine which are the highest risk mines of all the mining in the world and in a climate that's cold and wet like our climate, which is the worst climate for doing sulfide mining, how do you protect the environment? Everyone agrees we should protect the environment. And it turns out that the technical complexities of that just are beyond the reach of what the legislature is able to comprehend. Mm -hmm. Representative Hubble, um, what were some of your disappointments um, this, this time around? Um, first of all, I want, I want to say probably high on the list is just for my general bafflement that we have not solved the problem of uh, uh, Medicaid expansion in this state. Uh, I don't count that as a failure. I mean, the citizens have enacted it. Uh, it, it is law right now. It provides additional coverage for uh, 70,000 or so Mainers. Uh, and uh, we do have the funding to cover that. It's just stuck, uh, I think, uh, again, in a battle of wills for implementation with this governor. Again, I don't count that as a failure. I just, though I, I would understand that many citizens probably see it that way. Uh, the, the other thing I, th I think that's distressing, the reason why we're still in session as we speak is we haven't solved the uh the we we haven't we haven't passed the errors and omissions bill which covered a technical fix to uh the allocation for clean elections funding and that's i think looming as a larger and larger issue as the election approaches and it's being used uh now by at least a, a certain faction uh as leverage to try to get concessions in other areas, and I think that's really unfortunate. What, what um, again, you're, you're probably, um, you know, the, what's the arguments against 
clean election funding. What and maybe um, we'll get some comments from Senator Langley. But what, what are people saying that they they don't want to to move in this direction that people have said they do want to move in? Well, I, I'm I'm always hesitant to speak for uh, the other side on this but one. You, but but the 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 uh, I, I mean there there. It, is a group, uh, and I think it's largely focused in the House Republican Caucus right now, where they they're very plainly just don't like public financing. Uh-huh. Uh, I I think on the other side, the state's been quite clear, and I I'm I'm convinced that this is a program that has had long popular support. It was initiated by the citizens themselves. I think it's it's a real way to keep the influence of money out of state politics. And I don't think that's a winning argument uh, for the other side. But on the other hand, we're, you know, we're at the time where it's like a football game is mm. during election season where uh, sometimes people press for whatever advantage they can get. Uh, it, it, that, you know, I talk about what's good about what we do in the legislature. I think this is the, the converse uh-huh. of that. Uh, this is the ugly side of, of, of politics. Senator Langley, what, what were some of the, your disappointments in this, this go-round? Well, I'll, I'll just pick up uh, briefly where uh, Representative Pablo just left off. I think the, uh, uh, for me, using the errors and ambition bill as leverage is sort of unconscionable. Uh, it, you know, mistakes are made, a commas put in the wrong place. Uh, it happens uh, every single year. This is a normal process, errors and ambitions. We use it to fix those mistakes. So... Um, and, so and, and, that's squarely where that lands with me. That just that bill just should go through like any other time. So, uh, remind listeners who might not have caught all of the details what what the uh, the errors in an admission bill is is attempting to, to fix. Uh, it, it attempts to to, to fix uh, a mistake made in legislation regarding uh, clean elections funding, as well as uh, if you look at the whole bill, it, there's. Sometimes 30, 40 items in there, one sentence, you know, fixing this, um, putting, um, you know, a comma in a place, adding the word and, um, all of those things that, um, or a, a date, you know, uh, oftentimes we've had a, a date where a law has ended before the amended version takes place, so there's nothing to attach to. So, you know, it is a uh, function of, of human beings. There are mistakes made, but we have a great process by which to fix those. But. Mm. But to answer the bigger question, the most disappointing thing for me, and I'm still in, I feel like, a, a, a kind of a, almost a, a, a one-man battle. Uh, I've got some support from Representative Hubble down in the House and this education and what's happening um, with our diploma laws. Um, we've been working for years to put some teeth into the diploma um, and having the adults uh, uh, in the students' lives certify that when students leave high school, they are proficient in meeting the state standards in order to be able to go out and do whatever comes next, whether it be the military job or post-secondary. Um, so uh, due to some uh, more uh, about, I would say, uh, poor implementation in different parts of the state, uh, good implementation in other parts of the state, uh, folks have um, uh, kind of um, almost a fever pitch uh, have a bill in play that's been that's been passed. Uh, I've uh, held it in the Senate till the last day. It's on the governor's desk now. That really would negate uh, any standards uh, that were in statute. So um, it's 
in a, in a wild sweeping motion that say that high schools may graduate kids proficient um, in, the, in, our, in our standards, uh, and make, making them optional. So uh, it's a devastating uh, piece of legislation, and uh, I've done uh, absolutely everything in, in my power uh, to try to hold it up, try to get a spotlight on it, um, try to get people to see and understand the complexities of it. Uh, Representative Hubble and I and, and uh, Resident Chapman, um, who uh, is a you know CT instructor himself, uh, understand what proficiencies mean, and so it's it's been uh, it, you know it's 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 uh, been the sword that I've been willing to die on. Mm. Mm. Representative Hubble has a comment. Yes, I just wanted to underscore Senator Langley's concern in relation to this and, and observe that I think you've got probably the three greatest proponents of proficiency-based education on, on the program at the, the moment. Uh, for me, it it's, comes down to a question of equity and education opportunity. We've worked for 20 years in this state uh, both to build the learning results in terms of standard uh, expectations that we have for public education in this state. We created a whole uh, elaborate funding formula to make sure that that uh, money follows uh, in relation to actual need of the school districts. Uh, and uh, that is all at risk uh, if we eliminate the expectation that schools have to provide the opportunity for all students to be proficient in the learning results. And I'm not sure that my colleagues fully understand that at this point, but that bill uh, is still uh, uh, – uh, gravely important to me and Senator Langley uh, mm. and, and Representative Chapman as well. And I would agree with Senator Langley that it's probably immediately my my biggest disappointment where mm. we are in the session right now. We haven't uh, opened up the phone lines. Let's do that now. Give us a call if you've got questions for uh, Representative Hubble, Rep- Representative Chapman, or Senator Langley about the most recent legislative session that actually is still um, in session. one 625 9378 or 4 9050 here on Talk of the Towns. Well, um, before we get calls from listeners, as you look ahead, um, Representative Chapman, um, you're, you've reached the end of your term. December maybe is the is the is the is the last date that the legislature could be in session. Um, what would you imagine um, your successors might be looking at in terms of issues? What are what are you hearing from constituents as to what the next legislature might be dealing with? So one of the characteristics of public policy and, and lawmaking in general is that there is nothing that is final. Uh, we we make uh, uh, some some progress. Uh, that progress can be undone by the next legislature or in, in those areas where we have failed to make some progress, uh, the next legislature can pick that up and move it forward. So in essence, every issue is on the table. Uh, which ones will uh, – be taken up by the next legislature. It's, of course, too early to know. Um, there's always a question of the priorities of the resources of, of societies, societal resources and how they should be uh, used uh, to uh, the advantage of, of the people of Maine. Um, uh, uh, so it's, it's, a, it's an open question. Okay. Representative Hubble, are you hearing things that uh, from your constituents that um, you, you expect will come up during the, the uh, legislative races and then carry forward? What are you hearing? Um, I, I think that this, there's a tremendous focus on 
the November election uh, at all levels. I think everyone will recognize that at this point. We are faced with the prospect not only a new legislature as we get every two years, but also a different governor. Uh, and and I think there's just huge concern about the state of politics at every level. Mm. Uh, so I don't I, I don't so much have a general idea of what the different agenda would be, but. Uh, I I think it, everyone says that the next election is the most important one before us. I, I think in terms of opportunity and as sort of a referendum of who we are as a state, uh, uh, there's rare opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Senator uh, Langley, uh, are you hearing things as you um, talk with uh, constituents as to the things that you uh, feel they watch, want the next legislature to, uh, legislature to, to work on? No, not so much. I think uh, uh, in that, I, you know, there'll be there'll be stuff that will rise up, and uh, there are problems that need to be addressed. And that's usually, you know, what comes uh, in front of you, whether they be budgetary items and roads and bridges, those kind of things. But I, I deeply share uh, Representative Hubble's concern about what the new normal is going to look like in politics, um, and for me. Um, it's really going to be the next legislature's role to, um, you know, develop those relationships. So whoever starts with leadership at the top and it's leadership of both, you know, all four of our uh, caucuses as to uh, what kind of working relationship uh, you're going to be able to have and develop. So we've, we've seen a lot of things that have happened over the past couple of years. So, you know, what I worry about, for example, if the tides change and uh, say it's a, you know, a sort of a Democratic sweep um, in all three bodies, you know, House, Senate and the, and the uh, administration, and that um, saying, well, you know, in order to avoid a state shutdown, we're going to pass a majority budget, you know, do that early on. Um, and then, you know, to some degree, the rights of the minority get rolled over. Um so I just um, I worry about the pendulum swings, and I worry about you know um, what becomes the new normal. We've we've seen a lot of things in our in our eight years um, that um, I don't really see in my own mind is what I call good government. Um, winning at all costs is uh, uh, to me not uh, the way to run. Uh, I've worked hard to develop consensus uh, as a committee chair. Um, you know, everybody gets a voice, everybody gets heard, and you build. It's the only way you build anything that lasts. Hmm. So, uh, again, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight, 625 or locally four six nine zero five hundred. 500 if you've got questions or comments about the 2018 legislative session. And then um, have them wiped out in one minute. <laughs> Um, Thanks so much for for being with us. I really appreciate uh, both your service to uh, the region and for being on the program with us uh, this morning. So, Senator Lang, you still there? No, I think he he must have yeah. must must have left. But thanks for his participation. Um, a couple of questions that I've I've heard is uh, um, the the whole question of ranked choice voting that's been um, in the the legislative process. Where does that stand? Um, uh, how will we looking forward to that, uh, Representative Chapman? Well, ranked choice voting is one of those issues that uh, the, the people of the state have said that they wanted 
Um, the major parties uh, have not wanted ranked choice voting. And when I say that, I, I, we have to distinguish between uh, the state house party leadership, which is what I was really referring mm-hmm. to, is distinct from the parties themselves. Right. Okay. And so the state house party leadership on both sides of the aisle uh, have chosen to try to diminish ranked choice voting. And in the case of the Republicans, that's explicit in their uh, uh, state platform. In the case of the Democrats, it's a little bit uh, more hypocritical. They, uh, the, the state Democratic state house leaders will vote for ranked choice voting while they will get uh, their caucus members to flip their votes to get rid of ranked choice voting, which is what happened. That's why we don't have ranked choice voting for the for the governorship um, or the state uh, senate or state representative races. Um, the uh, there's some subtleties involved with with how to get ranked choice voting in light of uh, the state's constitution, but uh, that those elements were actually misunderstood in part even by the ranked choice voting advocates. <laughs> so at the moment we have a ranked choice voting system. Um, and if that works for the uh, federal races, that is to say the U.S. Uh, Senate and U.S. Uh, representative, uh, congressional representative races are ranked choice voted, as are the primary elections for the uh, all statewide races. So um, uh, that's a step in the, in the in the right direction. I'm very disappointed in the implementation of it. I'm the only legislator in the. Uh, in the 128th legislature that put in an implementation bill for ranked choice voting, and uh, it was uh, defeated. Uh, the Secretary of State's office did not uh, want to go in that direction and has implemented it in the, in a very expensive, time-consuming, and non-transparent and, in my mind, insecure fashion, uh, which it didn't have to be done mm. that way. So the, the experience of, of voters, um, at least that I heard, is that they enjoyed the process. They enjoyed um, ha- being able to rank the, their choices. Um, so it's a it's a question: Will the the leadership of, of the parties and and the the state will they um, accede to the voters voters' wishes? I mean, it is it is part of the the uh, the voters' uh, kind of preference. Representative Fabul, yeah, I, I agree with you. I I mean, I was a supporter of ranked choice voting from early on, and uh, I think that the experience that the voters had in June, oh, from everyone I've talked to, was a good one, even though. I think the outcomes weren't any different than they would right, have been by right. a plurality. But but most most voters, I believe, felt that it was empowering to be able to to be more sort of particular mm. in their in their preference. Uh, I'm not sure that all voters understand that they won't have that opportunity in the gubernatorial race in uh, in November. And I think many people may be disappointed by that, given the field that we see mm-hmm. out there right now. Uh, I. Um, I mean, the, the, the constitutional problem with the state races remains. My my perspective is, is that the way to deal with that is to fix the constitution. Mm-hmm. And I, in fact, that was my votes throughout this process reflected that. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, work work is still out there to right. do in relationship to it. In the remaining few minutes, and I understand that Senator Langley is back with us. Thank you. Um, uh, are there things that you'd like to see kind of reformed going forward, based on your experiences? What what things would you like to see the the process um, reflected in the process, Representative Chapman? Sure. I think one thing that's necessary is that the um, power. F- that control the legislative processes at the moment is concentrated in too few people. We mentioned earlier the uh, good work that committees were able to do in the legislature on policy matters because you have a a dozen or so people around the table that are working uh, to find a a common solution to a problem, bringing in the wisdom from a variety of perspectives. And that general uh, concept that uh, the wisdom around the table is greater in a group than in any individual in the group uh, applies to the processes of the legislature as well. And yet we've concentrated almost all of the processing power in just – all of it is in the hands of 10 people. Most of it is in the hands of uh, just uh, two people. Yep. Representative Hubble, any, any thoughts about the process very briefly? Um, I not enough to disagree with Representative <laughs> Chapman. I, I, I just want to agree with the point that he made earlier that we're never done, right. uh, and the excesses on one side always come back to haunt us one way or another. So, I you know, maybe my point of optimism is that uh, the process is self-correcting to a certain extent. I don't. I, again, I don't mean to disagree with, with, with my colleague. I think his observations about the imperfections of the leadership process are. To some extent, accurate. I just have confidence in the long run that we'll right. do and the right thing. Last comment to uh, uh, Senator Langley: um, thoughts about the process looking forward as you um, get ready to depart the legislature. Yeah, the longer you do this, the more you find out how things really work. And for me, uh, I think uh, what needs a little bit of work in the process is once you pass a bill. We do our legislative part, then it goes off into what's called the rulemaking. And, uh, boy, there are lots of ways to uh, dismantle and kill a bill that uh, you've worked very hard on um, when it gets into rulemaking. You know, I passed the bill, I think, in 2011, and it took five years for it to go through rulemaking and come out in uh, 2016 to be out into the Senator Langley, we've we've just run out of time, I'm afraid. Thank you all for being with with us. Uh, Senator Brian Langley of Ellsworth, Representative Brian Hubble of Bar Harbor, and Representative Ralph Chapman of Brooksville. Thank you. We come to the end of the hour. Be sure and join us from 10 to 11 on the second Friday of each month for Talk of the Towns. Podcasts of our programs can be found in the archive section of the WERU website. Tune in for our companion program, Coastal Conversations with Natalie Springle, 10 to 11 on the fourth Friday of each month. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balmain House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests in the studio. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. <laughs>